Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Shirai and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? So first and foremost, guys, thank you so much for being here. I go by the name of DJ Sherrod. I am DJ Juicy. And we are the Butter Chicken Podcast Boys. We, we do this Butter Chicken Podcast. The podcast has nothing to do about food. Both of us are a little buttery. And we happen to love butter chicken amongst all things from our culture. And the objective of our podcast is to tell the stories of unique individuals making impact in culture and society. It's really important for us to tell the stories about us because there's not enough people doing it. So as we tell these stories, we put them out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Geo Savan's here. Our podcast is now on Savan. Our podcast is on Spotify. You could just search it. We're on Instagram at Butter Chicken Podcast. Today is exceptionally, exceptionally special. Now, real quick on three. I want to see how much energy we have in this place, okay? So on three, I want you guys to scream as Richard just walked in mad late. <laughs> on, on three, I want you guys to make as much noise as you can. One, two, three. Hey, DJ Avi, did, did that show up in the soundboard? Go. We got to go a little bit louder for the podcast, all right? On three again. One, two, three. So how many of you, got, how many of you guys follow the Instagram page at HateCopy? All right. So we, as Butter Chicken Boys, content creators, people in the game, we're, we're heavily involved in music and culture. We are big fans of the work that we see on that page. Are we not? All right. Today, we have Maria Kamar. She is one of the most prolific and important artists of our generation. And most people don't get their roses while they're here. But what we do with Butter Chicken Podcast is to make sure we acknowledge our community stars the people behind the scenes, the people creating the culture. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, a nice big hand for Maria Kumar. Come on, a little louder, a little louder. Hold up. Louder. Hold hey. up. Hold up. This is New York City. I need everybody to stand up and give her a round, a round of applause right now. We are in New York City. Maria's here. And we are all friends tonight. We are all friends? We are all friends tonight. Okay. Now for the rest of this, everyone, please be as quiet as you can. That's it. Throw your phones out. <laughs> Delete Instagram. So, being that we're in this setting, uh, typically we record in the studio and it's super formal and very structured and we have tons of questions laid out, but... 
we wanted to keep this extremely casual, extremely informal, and really get to know Maria. Um, so I think just to dive right into it, tell us a little bit about where you come from culturally, um, and also how that's impacted what you're currently doing today. All right. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, and you should be my official hype man, because <laughs> That was really funny. That was very New York. That was like a rap video. That's what we do. Everybody stand up. That's what New York City sounds like. (laughs) Uh, What was the question? Where did I start? Yeah, so where do you come from culturally? And how has that affected what you're currently doing? Well, I was born in Pakistan, in Malir, and then to Karachi. To parents uh, that are Bengali, and by way, well, they're Bihari by way of Bangladesh and Gujarat. So it was like a mix of everything all together. Um, And then uh, we moved to Canada in 2000, which was a very big uh, culture shock because uh, it was pre 9-11. It was very uh, new to me. I didn't even know like that other races existed because when you come from a country that's very much like your own people that's like a new world to you. So even simple things like grocery stores blew my mind. I was like, you get your groceries from inside a building, bro? Like, there's not like a fisherman that comes to your house? Like, what? So yeah, uh, that's where I originated. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess the influence for all this comes from what I realized being in the West and how differently um, women were treated or, you know, the influences that come from the West. Interesting. So um, were you creating art at a young age or did that come when you moved to the Western Hemisphere? Yeah, I mean, I would say this, like, Western education is always catered to where it's like we put as many kids as we can in, like, a building and we teach them the same curriculum and we shovel them through the different grades at the same way and they all graduate and whatever. But... A lot of kids learn differently. So for me, I still can't read a novel. That's, to me, it's like I get googly-eyed, I can't. So I grew up reading like comic books and Spider-Man comics and Watchmen and things like that because I learned visually. So I started drawing from a very, very, very young age, like since I was like three. So um, that's kind of been the way I had been communicating to everybody my whole life yeah it's amazing um in terms of uh, like mediums you said drawing are there i see some digital work and things like that and i know that we're kind of fast forwarding to today but um do you still doodle and, and draw with different mediums or is everything digital now so the one uh, big like misconception is that like uh i'm like an instagram like digital artist which is like true there's a lot of stuff that's made digitally on instagram but uh, I originally drew on uh, my notebooks, like my meeting notebooks or like little doodle books. It was very pen to paper. Um, I had to teach myself Photoshop and Illustrator when the Instagram started getting a little bit more attention. Um, initially, I posted, like I think the first thing I posted was like a lady that was going like, I burnt the rotis and it was on my like meeting doodle book. And everybody's like, where can I buy this? I'm like, you can't, it's on like a sketchbook. Like I don't know how I can make this for you to buy. Um, 
and then I made a few more and everybody was like, oh, I want this in a poster. And I was like, I don't know how to make a poster. Um, and I didn't want to like publicly announce that. So I'm like, I guess I'll just learn. Um, so I just figured out how to, you know, do the digital stuff. But originally it was all paintings. Okay. So what you see here is like the line work and the, you know, the, the paintings and all that stuff is, is something that I had originally done my whole life. The digital stuff is a lot more newer than, uh, than the original stuff. Got it. So like your, some of your like, stuff that you might be working on today, will you put on paper first and then translate over later? Or? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it works. So it's always starting pen to paper, and then you transfer on to digital, and then you decide whether you want to make it a painting, or you want to make it an Instagram post, or you want to make it like a hanging up there, like a giant lota. You figure out what the medium is, what you feel like, and then you kind of go from there. Anything I've made... You know, the few things I've made in this gallery are things that I've wanted to exist because I just think it's really funny and I think it's really cute. Um, it's something that younger me would have wanted to see or, like, me right now would want to see um, if you guys are around when these get taken down and you get a chance to hold one of them. It's, like, magical. It's like the giant Maggie bags. Um, it's magical because, like, why not just have a giant-ass Maggie bag that you can hold? You know? Yeah. That's, that's my process. Like, what do I want to exist in the world for me, personally? Um, and then just put it out there. Awesome. Cool. Question for you. <laughs> I really want to know how you went from being super popular on the gram and getting a lot of attention on the gram to now being here in New York City with this gallery. What was that process like? Process like, and how did that even come about? Like, this is a, guys. We're in New York City, and Maria Kamar is here. This is a really, really big deal. It's a big deal for the artist. It's a big deal for the culture, and it's it's a big statement for everyone that's in this room. So, for us, we're super proud, and we just want to understand that that path or that road that led to here today. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. <laughs> For me, I'm taking all of this day by day. Um, the Instagram and the social media, um, whatever happens on there is very interesting to me because I see everybody forming a community. So let's say I post like a, something on Instagram that's like a, a digital piece. And somebody would comment, oh my God, this is you, and they take their cousin. And their cousin goes in and is like, oh my God, that was you last week. And then they have a whole conversation on my page, and then I feel like I'm intruding because I'm lurking them. But it makes me feel like I'm part of a community. So bringing things into the real world in terms of like a gallery space, everybody says like online is different than real life. For us, I'm witnessing that it's the exact same thing. It's like we form those communities online, but we're just as real in real life. So when I'm not in the gallery, because I'm based out of Toronto, um, whenever I am here, I would be like hiding in the back or whatever. I would hear conversations like, you know, there'd be people sitting on the samosa chairs and they'd be like, oh, like, what do you do? Oh, what brings you here? What's your Instagram? And then I would hear them exchange their Instagrams. I lurk a lot, by the way, I'm like a creep. Trouble. But <laughs> I would hear them exchange like their Instagram details. And then like a week later, I would see like online, like them collaborating on like a zine or like a photo shoot. I'm like, this is exactly how it should be. You know, we should have physical spaces where we can connect 
digitally to make real life work. Like it kind of goes hand in hand. So the Instagram might have helped to get into the gallery space like right now because it helps to put the word out there of who this person is. It's like, whatever, hey copy, we should get into a gallery space. We need more representation. But it also helps to create a physical space where we can all meet and bring it back to the digital space and create more noise in the media. Does that make sense as an answer for you? <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> it's 360. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. We, we, we sort of, sort of uh, share the same sentiment. The struggle that I always see is that sometimes Instagram numbers in the arts in general, whether it be the art that you make or the music that we make or the, 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 any art that someone creates sometimes doesn't translate in real life and we've seen situations where artists of all types will come into town but nobody comes out to support them in the case of this the show was over right this gallery was supposed to shut down much earlier and then it was extended so for us we're seeing like those numbers and the fact that you have a community built and the following that's been built is it's snowballing at this point and now like look people are like can't even get in but the community was always there right that's the thing the community has always been around we've always been showing support for ourselves it's just that we need more galleries and more institutions to recognize the community to go we exist mm -hmm. we need to be here we need to showcase our work and let's just give us a space to just do the things that we do, right? Like art, music, dance, film, whatever it is. It's not that this is like a new thing. It's that this has always been going on. Like for me, it's like it's interesting to see now more and more we have the spaces or we're getting the spaces even in the media. We had like what, four brown people in the media. And now we have a little bit more. We have like a late night host. We have like a talk show. We have this and that. You know what I mean? Like people are getting into those spaces and bringing us more visibility, which is what should have happened a while ago, but it's gl I'm glad that it's happening now, you know? Assimilation, slowly but surely. Um, speaking about this gallery, is there one piece in here particularly that is your favorite? It's Satya Nas over there. <laughs> As everybody turns, there's a lady over there. That's also the vinyl that's outside. Um, I made her um, way before the, we announced the show and she'd always been kind of like the the image that I'd had for for what I wanted to make anyways. I feel like she's like I burnt the rotis 2.0. <laughs> but uh, yeah, her name's Satya Nas and that's my mother's reaction every time I do something that uh, <laughs> a girl isn't supposed to do. So, yeah. I feel like uh, as DJs when we make mixtapes or put out music um, and, and any other artist, uh, you know, it's, I'm just relating it to myself, we care so much uh, as if it's like our own child that we're putting out. And there's some sort of emotional attachment behind it. Do you feel that way about your art? And can you speak to that a little bit? And of course, yeah. Um, all the pieces that I've made here have been in my living room or my bedroom, which is the same thing in Toronto. It's a very small apartment. Um, but I've you know, sat next to them, ate next to them, cried next to them. It's like this, all of these have been in my house and to see them in a 
space that's like a professional gallery space where we have write-ups and we have people coming in and little tours and it's very uh, surreal to me because it's not something that I'd ever imagine would happen in my lifetime um, but that is kind of uh, my way of putting myself out there and my work that uh, I want people to see or I, I guess I just want to put out there because it's hard to explain as like a person that creates things it can't really just be in your brain at all times or you'll just kind of go nuts. Mm -hmm. You have to put it out there, even if nobody sees it. You just got to keep creating and keep putting things out there. Um, so all of this was created for the show, but it wasn't like any of this was like market tested or like I had a focus group going, will this perform well? Or like, will people like this? Like I had no idea if anybody was even going to show up to opening night. Um, but I'm glad that people resonate and are coming in and bringing their uh, family and their cousins and mom and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, it's something that I want to see because a lot of the conversations, like, for example, like Faltu Tradition, a lot of these conversations, you can have them with your friends, but you're just kind of sounding off in your own circle, right? A lot of these conversations have to happen within your own household. So the more exposed you make this kind of work or your own work, to your families and you know to the older generations, the better it'll be for our culture because we get to, you know, I was gonna say delete. We get to kind of ditch some of these traditions that police women. Um, that's kind of what I'm tired of. So um, things like you know, child marriage and just like covering yourself up for whatever fucking reason. Like we don't need that. Just ditch it. You know. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what. Uh, what I really want from the work being out here, but it's not anything that was uh, shown to anybody before, aside from like my brother and his wife. How do you select and curate what you want to put in your exhibit? What's that process like? Is it like you have all these things in front of you, just, oh, I like this, I like that, and I like that, and just put this in the folder and throw it away, or how, how does that work? Well, I have, um, like on my phone, I have the notes, and I have just like ideas whenever, if I'm like at a bar or whatever, or if I'm at a restaurant, I just have an idea, I just put it down there. So there's like an extensive list of just things that I wanna make, mm -hmm. um, but for a show or an exhibit, I pick the things that I really, really want to say to either myself, my family, my younger self, my grandpa, um, anybody that, that I really want to be out there um, that I didn't get the chance to say or that I wish I could have said in the moment or whatever that rebuttal was, I want that to exist. So every single one of these pieces were people that I have been, people that I want it to be, people that I've seen, and people that I've admired. Um, and that's how I pick it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Friendship. How'd you come up with the name? Friends, just friendship? must be friends. <laughs> All the friendships that I've turned down on Instagram. And my... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's how. Okay. No, it's the 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 name actually is about. It, it's it's a little complicated, but the idea was that the first time you hear the word friendship in origin, which is supposed to be originated from friendship, which is a nice, lovely word, means, you know, you know, you're friends. Um, but the way we hear it 
It's like, do you want to have sex with me? I'm from Bangalore. You can't reach me, but do you want to have sex? It's like, that's not, that's abuse. Like, why are you just approaching women asking for friendship? Um, and then what we do um, is we laugh about it within our communities and we go, what the, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Um, and that forms actual friendships. So it's, it's a way to communicate, like, online friendships that happen that turn into real-life friendships that are actually talking about something that is essentially abuse. It's, it's violence. It's just going up to random women and asking them for sex. It's, why is that still a thing, you know? Um, so that, that was the whole point about friendship, but the context of the show is very much about how women and they see women deal with violence in every form, in, in the digital space, in the physical space, in the cultural space where we're kind of like trying to, we joke about it with our, amongst ourselves, but it is something that needs to be taken very, very seriously. So a lot of the work is, is funny, it's pop, it's cute, but it's rooted in pain and it's rooted in trauma and that's how I deal with it, but that's, that's kind of the whole root of the, uh, of the thing. Awesome, thank you. I just want to jump back to social media for a second. Um, in a number of articles that I've read, uh, just in kind of studying your career, um, we, it was noted that social media has played a absolutely major impact in your rise to popularity. With that, how do you deal with navigating social media and really now curating the stuff that you're putting out, the content that you're putting out? I know some people are very specific in their timelines and how they post or they have a third party doing it. But for you, um, are you still very personally active in the curation of your content and what you're putting out? Or has it since changed since your fame has grown? Like, do you think I hired a team? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A team of people? No, it's just me. It's, I just make stuff and I go, okay, I'm going to post it in the afternoon. That's how it, like anybody posts it. Like you post it, a picture of your lunch. I it's crazy because everyone tells me, oh, Butter Chicken Podcast, like don't post at 9 a.m. Or post at 9 a.m. But don't post at 2 a.m. Post at 9 a.m.? They're the, wrong. Post at noon. That's where I'm you get the highest you hand, visibility. You Everybody's awake all around the world at noon. You know what I mean? It's 9 p.m. in Japan. They're looking at your feed. Noon tomorrow. Noon. Just noon tomorrow. Butter Chicken Podcast. Yes. Butter Chicken Podcast. Always post at noon. That's it. Don't post this. Man, we at have to wake up early. I'm gonna get eight mad. Eight o'clock. We're trying to figure out the copy. No, post at noon. Wake in. up at 11 a.m. Just go. Fuck it. Let's wait an hour. Maria just dropped gems, gems on us. How are you liking New York? How are you liking the energy that's being received? It smells nice. <laughs> I had uh, city juice drop on me a few times. Yeah, like on the forehead. Like it's good it's... for the skin. What is in the city juice? It's so gross. It's slimy. It's just, New York has a slime. And that just runs through the city. <laughs> and it drops on my face every time I'm here. At various times of the day. But I, I like the people. <laughs> I like the food. You know, the smells we can work on, but everything else. I saw a rat that was the size of a, like a house pet. That was very interesting. 
It ran out of a club. That's standard. That's, that's, that's the daily motion for us. Yeah, they grow every year. It's cute. It's like watching your kids grow. <laughs> They're bigger. So, so now we're here at this incredible gallery. Obviously, it's done exceptional. I mean, some of these paintings are really, really, really expensive. When you, when, when you, when you were creating them, right? Like, did you ever imagine they would be selling for, like, early when you started? Did you ever imagine, like, people would actually come and be like, yo, here's X amount for this art that you created? Did you ever think in your head that that would actually happen? I used to give them away for free. <laughs> back in the day um i was happy that somebody wanted my work like i want i was happy that somebody wanted to display it in their home because i was like i thought this was just shit that i found funny <laughs> i didn't think anybody cared but i think now uh, like seriously in, in in the fine arts world like this is something that I want to exist here and exist in that economy and work its way up because it just regulates like more demand for desi artwork and then that kind of, you know what I mean? If there's like a market for it, then, then we have something we can step into and buy because I would love to see more galleries embracing desi artwork that I can go into and be like, I want to buy this, you know, giant seven foot painting of something, you know, that relates to my culture, so. I'm glad. I'm glad that this is uh, happening in the way that it is. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. I'm super, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of this moment. And one, one like strong reason is that because I'm a little bit, a couple years older than you. I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, so now a lot of people come up to me and they're like, oh, big bro, I got this going on. Or, yo, unk, I got this going on. Or, unk. Oh, damn. No, I got, unk. Yeah, it's for real. It's real. Somebody says unk? Yeah, you know, like uncle. Like, I got 19-year-old nephews that call me uncle, right? And, like, I tell them, trust no uncle. Like, like don't trust me. But, but, like, seeing the fact that you've created this incredible sort of catalog of work, all the collaborations you've done, the book you've done, and just everything leading up to here, seeing that and you still f strongly holding on to Desi culture... When, when I was coming up in my generation, if a Desi got put on, or if a Desi was doing dope shit, he would kind of, and I'm not saying all, I'm just saying like in general, it was very, it was just this thing where like Desis would not open the door or openly promote the fact that being Desi is cool as fuck. It's really, really cool and it's really dope to be of our culture. What like, era was this? Like, like, I'm a, like a, a little bit, a few years ago. Oh, okay. Like, many right. moons like, ago. Like not long. It's, we've always been cool, but the fact that you, you embrace it is a super proud moment. And I kind of want to know what's next after this. Like, what do you have planned after this? Is it something... Are you going, are you going with more galleries? Or are we touring? What's, what's happening? Just taking it day by day. Like, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, maybe have brunch, you know? Go shopping, because I lost my luggage today. I heard. Wow. Or yesterday, rather. Yeah, I lost my uh, I lost my carry-on. Somebody took it by accident. So oh, these are the only clothes I own currently. So I need to go buy more clothes. But in terms of career, um, I want to do more shows. Uh, I want to do more physical spaces that uh, they see diaspora around the world can kind of go and hang out. And we can do the same thing in London because there's a ton of Daisies there, which I had no idea. What? <laughs> Crazy. I had no idea. I went there and I was like, oh my God, there's so many of us. 
Um, but I want to do I want to do one there, um, somewhere in Europe, and then uh, hopefully in India, and then become a Bollywood actress. Maybe who knows <laughs> where life takes you? They'll discover me, and they'll be like, "Oh, can you shake your hips?" I'll be like, "Maybe." <laughs> I think I can learn. You know, hopefully, hopefully you'll see me in a in a movie with um, Bobby Dale sometime. <laughs> Maybe we could be your hype man and introduce you. <laughs> can everybody just DM Bobby? Can everyone just DM Bobby Dale and tell me, like, tell him that I love him, or tell him that I'm like, you know, I'm uh, I'm looking to be a co-star. I'm sure, we you can know? make that happen. Do you think Bobby Dale checks his DMs? Definitely not. One hundred percent. He was posting today. He posted like three times about well, his new Tell him movie. you want to be friends. That's it. I don't want to be friends. I want to be his co-star. <laughs> Yeah, just DM Bobby Dale. Be like, listen, there's this girl at Hey Copy. She really wants to be your co-star. That's it. Don't say anything else. <laughs> Don't give him any context. Just say that. And her two hype men. Done. Yeah. So, you know, culturally, many of us are told in our homes that the arts might not be a place for us as a career. It just happens in many of our homes. And I think that narrative is changing now. Um, but... Out here in this crowd, there's tons of creatives. We know a lot of these people. This is our New York family over here. And there's, there's a lot of creatives here, uh, creatives across all spectrums. Um, what is your advice or some words you could leave the youth with or the young creatives with uh, in terms of how they can maybe move uh, towards their careers and their career goals in the creative spaces? I don't know. I mean... The thing is that I went through such a detour to get to where I am, and anybody I speak to that wants to be a creative has or is actually on that detour right now. Like, we're all kind of just taking the same journey. Let's just get this accounting job and figure out a side hustle later. Um, For me, it was advertising. So I worked at an agency for like half a decade. I sold beer and toilet paper or whatever. I wrote billboards and radio ads and, you know... That was just something that I had to do to impress my family who didn't actually believe that the arts was like a thing, Um, and especially for women. So I guess for me, the advice doesn't really go towards the people that are pursuing their creative dreams because that's how you do it. Keep on pushing on. Um, My advice to people that are saying no is... You know, you have to like understand that education for women. When I when I talk about like educating women or, or, or education when it comes to the female like space, like art space, doesn't start or stop at like a village situation. It happens here in the West in educated families where they go, you can't pursue a career in the arts, but you can marry a doctor. You know, you can't, or like, why would you even pursue an education when you can just marry somebody who's educated? That's the kind of things that I don't particularly agree with at all. Like, that's the thing that I'm fighting against. So the advice isn't to people that are going into creative spaces. The advice is actually to people that are keeping people from going into creative spaces that makes us go through all these detours and all this bullshit and pay for college and university and build up all this debt when we could have just been studying what we wanted to study in the first place. You know, for a person that's creative and by nature, it's not our fault. That's how we learn, that's how we communicate. 
If it were up to me, I would have gone to art school, I would have done what I wanted to do, but instead I had to pursue a career in business, which helped me out in, in the long run anyways, but um, I had to go through years and years of just pretending that this is something, like art is something that I didn't want to do, which is unnatural to me. And, you know, as a musician, as a DJ, or as a creative, or anybody here that wants to draw, paint, dance, whatever, who is working at like a nine to five, that's just, it's grueling. And I think we all understand that. Um, and the only advice I can give is just to continue doing what you want to do anyways. And if you have to pay your dues or whatever it is, you have to work that nine to five, I guess do it, but you know, it's, it's always important to fight. Um, and the way I got through it was through collaborations. So I met other girls that were just like me. I met other creatives that were just like me uh, online or you know, through other friends and we did um, paintings together or we would you know, do photo shoots or whatever it is or create clothing or whatever it was. Kept creating together and that made more noise and that gave us more confidence within ourselves to create better and bigger work. Um, that's how this actually like, even started is when I partnered with people that printed on clothing or like knew how to make posters or like other Daisies that were like musicians, um, you know, or even like Mindy, like, you know, people that were Daisy and were ready to put each other on and, and collaborate. That's kind of how the, it helps the work grow and, and generate more attention. How important is the cosign of people with maybe bigger outreach than you as an artist? Like, do you believe in collaborative efforts where there's a huge cosign next to you? Like I've seen, you know, just in general within music and art, both there's there's someone standing next to you sometimes that just has this amazing reach that you just don't have. You can't touch the people that this particular person might be able to touch. Do you feel like cosigns are a big deal for artists of our community? And can us as artists within our own community, do we have enough now to be co-signed by people that are already put on. I think it, when it comes to like analytics and, and digital sphere, of course, is like a it's an obvious, right? If somebody has a bigger following than you that puts you on, then you get a bigger following. But I think where a lot of it goes um, a little bit confusing is when if it's actually a daisy person putting another daisy person on, and it generates a conversation and obviously revenue within our own community. So. A lot of people that have endorsed me um, or the work itself um, have been like with like a huge following have been Daisy and those are the collaborations that I want to highlight because that's something that I'm very proud of. It's like if you get to a certain space and you're a leader in that industry, it almost becomes your duty to start mentoring people that are underneath you that want to be more like you that want to get into that space because that's how we grow. Um, that's how we see more variety. It makes things better. It makes things funnier. It makes things more lively. It's like hanging out with your cousins all the fucking time. <laughs> that's what I want. I want. I want everybody to feel like we're family and we're part of this country because we're contributing so much to it. We're contributing so much to the culture here. You know, we all work in extremely different fields and we enrich the culture here. So why not be represented just the same? You know. Yeah, I love that. One of the uh, most prolific 
artists of our generation, I feel. Uh, Maria, come on, everybody. A nice big hand for her one more time. I think uh, Trisha has some, some questions we want to... Trisha. Yo, let's bring Trisha, the CEO of Brown Girl, up here one time. Big up, Trisha. Big up, Trisha. <laughs> big up, Trisha. Trisha, With what's the up? With the shoulder you pads. You want to stand? If I stand, then I'll be... We same height? Here you go. <laughs> oh you just realizing? All right. Let's do a quick rapid fire. Let's do it. All right. She has no idea what the questions are. They're not hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Go to a desi meal. Dal chawal. Mm, I could have some right now. <laughs> Favorite cheat food? Dal chawal. <laughs> Honestly, ask my husband. That is also my favorite I'm cheat food. I'm paleo. I can't eat rice. <laughs> and favorite show to binge watch? Oh, my God. Uh, Last Man on Earth. <laughs> Has anybody and... heard of that show? <laughs> yeah. It got canceled, but... After, yeah. like... A few episodes, right? Cal Penn talked about it last night. That's the only reason I know. <laughs> um, all right, what's the first thing you do every morning minus the, you know, normal stuff? <laughs> um, just think about life. <laughs> Existential crisis. There you go. <laughs> How do you describe your style? Uh, chaotic. Chaotic neutral. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Even when you've lost your suitcase. I get it. <laughs> I need more clothes. If anybody can just let me borrow their clothes. <laughs> All right. Who's your favorite Desi inspiration? Bobby <laughs> That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. All right. Last movie you watched? Uh, oh, Midsummer. <laughs> it's white people doing garba. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And your city to travel to? New York, New York. City! <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that would be the answer. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> on your shirt. It's on your shirt now. There you go. I'll know it's from you. NC42. So now, now is a, a pretty cool part where you guys, our studio audience, audience gets to get involved. Um, Many of you guys have questions for Maria. So at this point, we're going to open it up to a couple of quick questions. Uh, does anyone in the audience have any questions for Maria? Right here. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for coming all the way out here. been a long-time creeper myself for like two <laughs> years. Um, I, I guess a big question I have, it's um, with Lily Singh coming out with her own talk show recently, which is amazing. Um, as a fellow Torontorian, I guess? Torontonian. Yeah, Torontonian, sorry. Um, did you guys ever kind of like meet up at any point in your various paths of trying to get to where you guys are? Are you guys like buddies or like frenemies or something? <laughs> Thank you for the question. Uh, so the question was about Lily Singh, and we were actually uh, on the same magazine cover for Elle Canada in 2016. Yeah, I know. It's wild. I should repost that, actually. That was a while ago, but it was when I was just kind of getting started, and it was me, Lily, and uh, Wonder Girl, who's a producer for Drake, Rihanna. She's amazing. Um, and it was really good. And then Chantelle Martin, who's an amazing doodle artist, she did the illustrations on the cover. But, yeah. 
We did cro uh, cross paths a few years ago. And I think she has my artwork hanging up in her bathroom, so. That's... <laughs> Come on up. Hi. State your name and where you're from. Okay. Hi, I'm, <laughs> do I really have to do that? Okay. I'm a Junie, I live here, I'm from San Diego, big fan. Um, I wanted to know, um, all the ideas and everything that you make art about seems like it's obviously coming from your own experience like you talked about. Would you ever consider, have you done anything where like crowdsourced ideas from other people or collaborated with someone else so that you made art for them? Or are you, is it kind of like going outside of the brand that you've built? Um, thank you for the question. Uh, no, I, I don't crowdsource. <laughs> I think all of the stuff that's being made is just out of internal rage and um, just, you know, <laughs> things that I want to be out there. But maybe, maybe it'll get to a point where, you know, I have collaborated people. Obviously, I've collaborated with Priya Krishna for the, the Indianish cookbook, which is so good. The paneer feta, sorry, I'm like, uh, digress, but uh, the sog paneer is amazing in that book, and uh, that's yeah. So that's one of those things where I would like collaborate with her, and like we would make like funny quips and quirks about what this stuff is because I'm also obsessed with food in general. Um, but aside from that, I think the the artwork itself, when it comes to like um, fine arts or like a Instagram or whatever it is that it's controlled by me, it's like heavily just stuff that I want to say. Yeah. We got one more. Actually, do we have time for a couple more, Maria? Or is we good for one more? No, we can do as oh, many as you let's, want. Let's keep. Let's go to midnight. All right. <laughs> glasses in the back. I got glasses too, so you know we connected. Cool. Should I stand? Yeah. <laughs> um, my name's Ankita, and hey, <laughs> um, I wanted to say thanks for everything. All of the guidance you just dropped. I'm an artist as well, and I find it personally really hard and something I think we'll all have to work through for the rest of our lives. But I guess I want to know, do you have any, any ways to deal with the very heavy burden of the trauma we feel or the fights that I see are kind of your responses to probably things you've heard or that have been said to you by your family. Are there ways you have come up with to deal with that on your own on the days where you feel like you can't paint or it's just too much? Um, and if you have any pointers, I should probably ask a therapist, but I'm asking you. I was going to say. <laughs> um, thank you so much for the question. Um, can I borrow your shirt sometime? Um, as like my second outfit that I would have on this trip. Um, but in terms of dealing with um, things that you want to say or things that you can say to any family or anybody that's close to you um, that kind of negates what you're saying or doesn't take you seriously in that space, um, I wish I had a very diplomatic answer for this, but the only answer I have is that I fight with my parents every day as if I was 19 years old and I wanted to go to a party and they won't let me. Like, about everything, whether it be, you know, where I'm traveling, who I'm dating, that's a new concept. Um, <laughs> you know, what I want to do with my career, whether or not I'm going to still become a pharmacist. Like, that's, 
it was never going to happen. I was never going to be a pharmacist. I went to school for advertising. But, you know, the, the point is that I just yell um, at them. <laughs> this is not good advice at all. I'm sorry. Just yell at them. Nice shirt. Oh, okay, hi. Um, Please, thank you. My name is Pooja, I'm from North Carolina, um, and I just wanted to ask, you know, given kind of how, you know, inspirational and feminist all of your work is, what is something that you want your daughter to grow up knowing? Thank you for the question. Uh, thank you for the shirt. Um, <laughs> thank you for the shirt. <laughs> uh, what is some of the wisdom that I want my daughter growing up with if she identifies as, yeah, anybody, really, is, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm still, I'm still learning how to, how to take my own advice day by day. I don't know if anybody else would take my advice, but I think for me, it would be to, if your heart is telling you to do something, do that thing and don't doubt yourself very cliche, but my, my entire problem with myself um, and that I still deal with to this day is self-doubt, where I kind of go, sorry if this sounds dumb, does this make sense? And I even said that a few times here. It's like, does this, make, does this answer make any sense? You know, it's like the self-doubt, just stop doubting yourself. Just do the thing and then just deal with it. Deal with the consequences or deal with what comes afterwards. And I think a lot of young women and young girls, we've been conditioned to say sorry and, oh, I don't know, or like apologize for taking up space. Just stop apologizing for existing. Just do the thing that you want to do. And if, you know, you get shit for it, then let me deal with it, you know? Mad questions. A lot of questions. Like Hi, uh, sure. Hi, I'm Riti. Um, so first of all, thank you for all of this. I, I think if you look out into the audience, you'll see that the majority of us are brown women. And uh, probably the reason for that is um, basically the narrative that you've been telling that we've all experienced this, right? So I'm, um, and I'm looking at this painting right here, and I'm wondering, you know, we can definitely change the trajectory of our generation by putting out art like this. And we are, right? We're all here, we're all supporting each other. But that doesn't actually necessarily, to your point, you're still fighting with your parents, change their perspective, right? That still exists, mm -hmm. right? Especially in India, and especially, actually India is probably changing faster than like, you know, people that That's are That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, because people retain their culture when they immigrate, right? So what is your thought about how, um, like what's next for changing the previous generation so that our generation doesn't feel so guilty about doing the things that we want to do? Thank you for the question. Um, just yell at them. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think, uh, I mean, this next advice isn't any better. It's, for me, the next step is just completely ignoring anybody that has to continue saying what they were saying um, before. Because right now, my priority is to talk to us and talk amongst us and go, how can we change this? How can we move forward? knowing that these are the traditions that we want to ditch. Um, I know it's been around for like a zillion years, but like, can we just not, can we just not, you know? Um, can we not perpetuate this weird marriage thing that's, who gives a fuck? 
Who gives a fuck if you get married at what age, if you're a woman, if you want to cook and clean and whatever, that's your choice. It shouldn't be like a, a, a prerequisite to life, you know? Um, and that to me is more important than continuing to go home and, and having political debates with your dad about like, can we just not be racist today? Like that's not, <laughs> it's not important to me anymore. That's his battle to fight. He can just fight it until, you know, he gets over it and that's his problem. But to me, what's important is that we, we don't let that continue. Um, and we talk amongst our families about these kind of things and how we can start to empower more of our cousins and more of our aunties and uncles and friends and in our own circle to be better, better people for us and for the next generation that's to come. Yeah, that's my response to that. <laughs> <laughs> Did I answer your question right? I'm sorry. And that's it. We're all leaving. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I was going to call her out, but she's my buddy. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for the most prolific artist of our generation. Yes. Maria, come on. And the Butter Chicken Podcast, blah, blah. New York. Real quick, guys, before we go, before we go, a couple, couple, couple of things. Um, make some noise for Trisha and the entire Brown Girl Magazine team. Without, without them sort of initiating this idea of getting all of us together, it wouldn't have happened. So we're grateful to you, Trisha, and the team over here. Um, we have a caterer that helped put this thing together as well. There, Badsha, down in the back. Yes. I don't know if did someone tell him we like butter chicken, and that's why they did the butter chicken samosas. Next time we do dal chavo. <laughs> Next time dal chavo. <laughs> um, shout out, shout out to our friends from Kolkata Chai Company. They just opened up. Uh, a salute. A few, few blocks away, they're open. I think till eight. Ninth. Oh, okay, good. Real talk. They they have some great chai. I've been supporting them for a year before they even opened up, and they have even oat milk chai. It's incredible. It's amazing. So. Try it.